We hope you learned something new with us today on the People's Countryside Environmental Debate Podcast. I'm one of the co-hosts, Stuart the Wild Man Mabbot, and uh, I, I connect people with nature in as many ways as possible in the hope that they'll want to start to protect it. My co-host? Uh, I'm William Mankelo. I'm a photographer and also do my own live show every week, every Wednesday, talking about creativity and all plethora of other things and reflecting on my own week and to just to just to give you some guidance during the week and especially through these times in lockdown uh we're yeah, we're recording this over zoom again we are indeed this is on we're also recording this on the 18th of march so it gives you an idea so if we say anything today that is specifically about now you'll kind of get the idea of that this this was in the past uh another meandering yeah. conversation and it's a meandering start again uh we're two men in our 40s we don't you know we're not experts we don't think we don't know Absolutely, absolutely everything, but we do have opinions and um, we like to discuss the environment and discuss the questions that are being sent in by yourself. I was going to say, we, what you can be assured of is we've got authentic views and what we're trying to do here is to, to make everybody, you, including yourself, realise that we're all custodians of the little bit of countryside that's on our doorstep. Exactly, yeah. and like I said, it's a meandering conversation as always. A meandering like a raindrop down a pane of glass... Or me trying to figure out why I've walked into a room and then meandering around it trying to find what I'm looking for. The analogies are back again. Yeah, God help us. Okay, so who's the question from and where are they from? Uh, Chantel uh, here in Oxford in from the lovely village of Ifley. Uh, it's a lovely part of Oxford. It's almost like it feels like a village itself if you've never been there. Well, it's a village within the confines of Oxford, isn't it? It doesn't feel like it's part of Oxford, but it is. Yeah, well, Oxford has quite a few of these areas uh, where, which used mm. to be old villages, and they've been swallowed up by the, or been not swallowed up, but you know, they've they become part of the city. You've got a, you've got an email from Chantel. You've got, you've got you want to read out before we get the question going, right? Yeah. About HS2. The HS2 is a very well, interesting, it's... interesting subject, and it's quite a divisive subject at the moment as well. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, but, but, but when we come on to her question, it will be a, it will be clear that she wants to explore about being nice to each other. But when before I read this out, I point out that Chantal is actually pro HS2. Can you very quickly tell us again what HS2 is, William? Uh, HS2 is a high-speed line here in the UK that's going between London and Birmingham and eventually on to Manchester and Leeds. In a nutshell, really, there is the reason why it's called HS2 is because there is actually HS1, which was built between London St Pancras and uh, right down to the Channel Tunnel. So it's the link to the Channel Tunnel. That's the reason why it's called HS2. Now I'll go on to her question, uh, not her question, uh, her email about that. She says, like other listeners, thank you for exposing the awful treatment of the anti-HS2 protesters recently on your Twitter feed. Now, I point out I am pro-HS2. Now, that's what Chantal says. But she is very interested. We're getting a number of pro-HS2 people who don't like the way protesters are being treated. Which We've got a fair audience, fair thinking audience, William. I, I think so, yeah. I, was, I would include myself in that camp. In fact, uh, it was the episode where we discussed Rogine's uh, email, yeah. to, email to you and the question as well. And Rogine was in exactly the same place as I was and mm. exactly the same place that Chantal was, pro-HS2, pro mm. but... Uh, the way the way the protesters are being dealt with it is pretty scandalous. Okay, and so I'll come on to the rest of the email. That some of the posts you have shared on your Twitter feed exposing this treatment have recently disappeared, uh, and she's looked into it. It's because the HS2 rebellion um, Twitter feed w was um, suspended, and it, it, and there were a number of um, no no reason ever given. 
Uh, and uh, there was a lot of people inquiring for a response of why. Uh, and, and it was never given. And it started to feel like censorship in, in Chantel's uh, view. And then suddenly it reappeared again about 10 days later. And it felt to her, Chantal, and a number of other people that it was like HS2 were having a word with their friends at Twitter to remove anything that was disagreeing with them. But it then appeared with no reason for, you know, why it had reappeared and why it disappeared. Anyway, she also says that um, on these protest sites, um, the, the protesters are being assaulted by the bailiffs and the police are witnessing this. And when the protesters report the, the assault to the witnessing police, the witnessing police just say phone 101 if you want to make a report, even though they're already on site. Chantal also says that a lot of these evictions are now being done without court orders or, 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 uh, and, and protesters have to leave because if they don't leave, even without the court order, they're being accused of assault. OK, interesting points, um, Chantal. She also goes on to say, and we've spoken about this personally, William, which is interesting. Um, some of the trees, some of the films on Twitter she's finding about the tree protectors on this HS2 line, some of the trees are being cut down with the protectors still sat in them and birds still nesting in them. Now, this is what we've spoken about personally, William. Chantal says a huge amount of uh, scrubland and hedgerows and vegetation are being removed, but they're not being considered as part of the impact necessarily, because a lot of the impact studies are about mature trees and how many trees are being removed. So she's just wondering, you know, how accurate the impact studies are if vegetation is being removed. And I also said this to you the, uh, the other day, William, and Chantal raises it, that there was an access road uh, that needed to be widened, not to get to the HS2 line, but to get to one of the work centres where all the lorries were parking. The road had to be widened, and on one side of the road was a, a field, and on the other side of the road was the hedgerow. So to widen the road, they cut down the hedgerow, didn't go onto the field. In, in, interesting point. Um, she also raises a lot of the cutting is being done during the bird breeding season uh, and active bat, bat roosts. And that's actually illegal, but it seems to be illegal for some and not for others. Good point. She also raises that in the um, Chilterns, Chiltern Hills, there's a big tunnel being built and a lot of chalk is being extracted. And HS2 are saying that they're going to be rewilding the Chilterns to, to actually mitigate the impact they're having by digging this tunnel. Uh, but she feels that's a little bit of greenwashing because how can you rewild, rewild somewhere that you've already decimated? Okay, good point. Um, but she also says what they're doing in this rewilding, they need, they've extracted all this chalk and they, they need to find something to do with it. What they're proposing to do is spread it on the ground in around Chilterns because it's chalkland uh, and then rewild it from there. But what... Um, Chantal points out is chalk is not compost you don't plant into chalk what a chalk 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 grassland actually is is a, a very thin layer of soil over chalk mm -hmm. there's no point having the chalk burying the soil because nothing's going to grow mm -hmm. which is a very um a very good point and so come to come on to her question William you have a question after that email yeah thanks for the email Chantal there's a lot of interesting points there yeah, especially pick up what Stuart said about the, the the road that was, you know, the hedgerow was taken down instead of widening it the other way. 
there must have been mm. some it, I would suggest there was some other issue going on there um, mm. uh, because it doesn't make sense doesn't make it doesn't make sense from a manual exercise does it that it would be easy if you if you widened it without having to cut something down but you think mm. it's a land issue potentially Stuart didn't you I think I suspect they've pissed off the farmer on the other side so he won't let them expand their their uh, it, because that you know because they're taking huge amounts of land off of farmers without even telling them you know I, I you know um, it just suddenly appeared they get up, the farmer gets up one night and a bit of his land has just been sectioned off and there was a guy I can't remember where it was somewhere in the Chilterns a farmer approached them and he had a local councillor with him and um, the people who, who'd roped off part of his land without asking had their faces covered didn't say who they were didn't say what company that they'd um, that they'd um, they were representing and actually phoned the police uh, on his own land yeah it, you know? it kind of reminds me of the, of the start of uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy if anybody remembers that anyway um, what's the question the question that Chantel has set for us is it's a quite short and to the point question but it's an interesting one can we bring about lasting sustainability by being nice to each other I would like to ask the question of, of what exactly does being nice to each other how does what does that mean because mm. if you have differing points of view you can't you may come across if you, if you, if, if you don't agree with somebody that can come across as being nasty spiteful mm. where actually all you have is 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 an alternate view to that mm. other person that's all it is that's all it is yeah so it's not an attack on you, the person personally uh, it's mm. it's a a question of the of the assertion that was that has already been made that's just been made mm. so how can mm. we be nice to each uh, yeah can we bring about lasting sustainability by being nice to each other it helps being good being, mm. being uh, not nice necessarily but 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 remembering that we're all humans and we all have our own opinions um and also that what, what you what you perceive what somebody's what somebody's opinion is can be very different to exactly what their opinion is because you've got your mm. own biases and your own opinions what do you think, Stuart? What do you think? Well, I'm going to relate this mainly towards, initially towards uh, Chantal's email about being nice because she raises specific situations uh, and then see where we go from there. I think that's the way I'm going to approach it. Now, uh, Chantal, um, what you are seeing, the, the, the reaction to the protests in HS2 is, in, in short, the state flexing its muscles and the authorities flexing its muscles. And this might be controversial. We often say we live in a democracy and, uh, and uh, it's not as bad as China and other places, but and it's, living in this country isn't about, as bad as living in a totalitarian regime or a dictatorship. But we have a lot of those same systems that could be abused and taking us down that same road, and it's more subtle, but... I would argue a lot of the same behaviours from our leaders have been, it's not quite so obvious, but it's a lot of the same behaviour. It's the state flexing its muscles, William. And if it was nice to in reaction to this, I think it would get more people on board. Yeah, it's the state. Well, it's it's a reaction. It always seems to be a reaction. Are we specifically talking about an activist that's in a tree? I think that there are... There is a view, and this is my own opinion, it could be a controversial opinion, I'm not entirely sure what is controversial and what isn't these mm. days, uh, that because that person is where they are, that they are no longer a human, 
they're no longer a person that mm. they're just seen as somebody mm. who some, something that is in the way that as much as the tree is in the way that they're also in the way it's almost that the only reaction that, that could you can have against somebody who is protesting and someone who is doing it very actively an activist and an activist that is in a tree and we actually spoke to somebody very recently mm. who had this happen to them mm. right we're talking about the person we had in a recording yeah. we did recently yeah, it's not been released yet, but no, it will come out. It, won't, it will come out, but it's not been released yet. But it, that is, seems to be the only way of reacting to that situation, reacting to that person. Um, mm. There must be other ways, but it, it seems to be the their way or the highway almost. You know, they can't yeah. they can't think of any other ways of of of, of going through with this. Now, I'm sure they they would argue that uh, that that these plans have been put through. You know, the plans have been in in public view that there's mm. been consultation, that the um, the land has been bought legally above board. Um, mm. But why, what you've said there, Stuart, there's people just turned up. Um, they didn't they didn't see who who they were from. And the, the farmers were like, well, what, a farmer would be like, well, what are you doing on my land? And this is my land. And they're mm. like, well, no, no, it's not anymore. Uh, that yeah. it, That's the issue that I have with HS2. And it's crazy, really, because HS2, I think... As a principle, as a, as a, as, a, as an idea, uh, is is a fantastic idea because it actually, mm. it really does. It really should help congestion on the on the on the on the existing network. It it could, it, it actually brings about um, higher capacity on those lines and actually having more more services. But it's just how it's being done. I don't really understand mm. that that point. Um, mm. I meander. I, I, I was what... a meander myself there. I went through many points mm. there. I think uh, what you're seeing is these impacts, uh, these these protests are having an impact and it's the government and leaders doing a knee-jerk knee reaction instead of listening to, to the protesters and working with them. They, they, they people say, oh, our protests aren't working. Well, they're having an impact because things are changing, you know, and I'll come on to that. But about HS2, about HS2, I understand that it's maybe part of a, a massive in infrastructure plan to make us more carbon neutral but we're emitting huge amounts of carbon to build it and impacting on the carbon absorption um by by impacting on the land as well so it's a great ideal but how it's being done it may be producing more carbon than it needs to and it maybe is re reducing the carbon absorption too much so that's just a, a point but Another thing on this, uh, I agree, we need an aid, a long-distance uh, railway line. We're moving away from being nice, but just bear with me. I know we need an, a, a long-distance rail line, but we actually, unless we actually start doing something to, 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 to start absorbing the carbon we've already produced, we might actually be dead before we see the benefits of uh, the, the HS2. Uh, uh, so we maybe need to be even more radical than HS2. That's what I'm saying. HS2 is in there, but we need to be even more radical than that. Uh, and because we need to be more immediate in our thinking on how we tackle the climate change and not just wait for HS2 to steady the ship, if you know what I mean. We need to be doing other things as well. That's not the answer. But but again, it, it's, you know, that, that's just the point of view. But what I will go coming back towards being nice. When are we recording this again, William? What's the date? It's the 18th of March, 2021. Now, the, a real hot potato that, that, that's happening at the moment is the government uh, uh, 
have cracked down uh, 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 and brought in a new bill that they voted on a couple of days ago, giving the police more powers. Um, and it's called the uh, Police Crime and Sentencing Bill, which limits people's right to protest and how they protest. Uh, and that originally was, in my view, was activated last year because of the Extinction Rebellion protests and the Black Lives Matter protests and various other protests that really impacted and made the government sit up. It's been voted in, and it's basically about when, where, how, when you can protest, where you can protest, how you can protest, how much noise you're making, and it's a slow, an incremental impact on your ability to protest. It's trying to control dissenting <coughs> voices. Now, if you were being nice about it, you wouldn't try and control. You would try and actually engage with, because no battle, no war, no difference of opinion has ever been resolved apart from sitting down and talking about it. And I, I have to think, I have to say, another controversial thing, I think this bill has been brought in, because these one, because these protests are beginning to have an impact, and two, because I, we won't really know until we look back in hindsight, but I think this is the beginning of societal breakdown and societal collapse. And it's like our leaders realising that and, and, and are just trying to save their skins. But, you know, won't know until, 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 uh, until we look back. And this might sound a bit doomsday-ish, but that's sort of an undercurrent that I'm beginning to pick up on this. Now, if this is the start of societal collapse... The government's going to collapse and the people are going to collapse. So if we were nice to each other and stopped bringing in these bills and stopped inciting people to get out onto the streets and start being nice, that could be a damn good step. Yeah. Not the only step, but a step. Yeah, they, they're definitely, they, they, there are signs of the change. That's what I would say, how I would see it, rather than a collapse. Because often we can, we can, we can, view the world in terms of dystopia and dystopian mm. ideas and yeah. almost like a doomsday Armageddon style things. That's why I'm saying we need to actually have a look at this now, but we can only really, really gauge it when we look back in hindsight. Because because but, because there's so much going on right now. You know, yeah. you think about, you know, if you look at the sweep of history right now, the world is at the, its most peaceful. We are at the most peaceful mm. time. And I think we sometimes forget that. But that can also make you feel, that can also make the world feel, well, we can feel like almost like a little bit complacent. You know, we can get quite complacent yeah. about it. I had a point, but I can't remember what it was. <laughs> yeah, go on, go on. You, I'm, sure you've okay, got, well, I'm sure you've got something to say, Stuart. Yeah, always. Uh, but it, again, coming back to being nice. You know, we're in a COVID situation and, and these laws are being changed um, during the COVID situation, which makes me slightly suspicious. But these laws give the police more powers to limit protests. Now, the current, we've already discussed this many times. We, you and I have discussed that the, the current COVID dispersal orders have been potentially used unfairly and those orders are beginning to come to an end which is maybe why this new policy government policy is being brought in so you know so once the covid dispersal orders end uh there's something else that can maintain the status quo yeah but i point out it there super, isn't it, super, uh, it supersedes yeah you're basically keeping the you're basically keeping the um the legislation going aren't you 
Yeah. And we did say at the very beginning of COVID that certain parts of society could manipulate the, the, the COVID situation to, for, for their ends. And this could be part of it. But I point out it's actually not illegal to gather in protest during the COVID lockdown because the human right to actually protest overrules the COVID lockdown. So it's not actually illegal. But I think if protests have to happen, they need to happen safely. Yeah. Um, it's, there's not a blanket ban on protests, even though we're, we're, we're encouraged and told that if we gather illegally during COVID, we can be fined and moved on. The police are actually using a, the bl- a blanket interpretation to, to abuse abuse that. You know, um, so so uh, so I think that that's another example of being nice. Is this fairness got to come into this? I would actually, Chantal, you said, uh, is being nice going to change? I think being fair, you could also you could be a complete arsehole, but you could be a fair arsehole. Yeah, fairness, and uh, as well, I, the thing that sort of kind of the word that stuck in my head all the way through this as well, and it's my own experience, you know that. Um, I've often called. I've often been called a nice person, and I've often, I've mm. often seen that as a little bit of a derogatory, derogatory term. So nice as in naive. <laughs> I mm. think also. So I think we have to just be good to each other, and actually, mm. like I said, engage properly and listen to each other properly. Mm. Um, yeah. And call each other out when we, we we feel we're not being engaged with, and then just yeah. just just in a good and fair manner you don't have to be nice just to just be fair just allow people to have their voice um yeah. but uh yeah it's it it's interesting isn't it it's it is, more yeah. than just being nice yeah being nice is you know. being nice is holding the door open for somebody being good yeah. is uh listening to them when they talk to you <laughs> yeah it's like uh, a point uh t- talking about the protests again the point of protesting you only protest if if you have an issue, and the point of protest is to, to disrupt and influence those in power to change things. And if those in power are now being annoyed by these protests, they are being that they're, they're obviously having an impact. But instead of muzzling people and 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 putting a gag on them, sit around the table and talk to them mm. and see what happens. I think it's pretty Patel who is the home home minister. Is that what they call it? Um. Oh, bloody hell. Bloody hell. Uh, yes. It's home office. Home office, yeah. Yeah, she's the head of the home office. Uh, and um, she clearly was um, uh, annoyed by the Black Lives Matter and the environmental protests last year. And she's had said a number of things recently indicating that she does not like protests. And she's unfairly, and it, this comes down to language again, she's unfairly called protesters terrorists. So she's inflaming... Uh, in inciting a reaction in, in other people who maybe don't have a balanced view or who are looking for something to grab hold of. It's not the first time, pretty, I've been called a terrorist, so I'm not, that, I'm not particularly that bothered. But history does show that criminalised criminalising people and putting them underground and calling them terrorists haven't hasn't led to any good. I'm not going to go into detail, but back in the 70s, 60s and 70s, there were some... Um, political prisoners um, that this country had uh, and it was considered a war and then in the 70s it was brought in that we weren't we changed it away from being at war and turning it into a criminal offence 
So these political prisoners became criminals and were locked away on, uh, without a trial. Uh, and it was sort of that led no good. It led to no good. And it, it took another generation before a new set of politicians actually picked, picked, it up, picked up the issue and sat down with these people and resolved it. Yeah. Criminalising things, putting things underground, trying to bury things, it's just inflaming things. I was I was just thinking about how how the the, ter- the use of the word terrorists is, is an interesting one as well. It's yeah. a bit how it's a bit like how um, how how language is just used anyway. You know, there's a um, a great stand-up comedian and political activist activist in, in some ways, George Carlin, if you remember him. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. He he said, uh, well, if crime fighters fight crime and firefighters fight fires, what do freedom fighters fight? <laughs> Yeah. The thing is, the ordinary person cannot fight their leaders because the leaders have got tanks and big weaponry technology. Yeah. And years ago, it was called uh, guerrilla warfare. Then it was freedom fighters. And now it's uh, criminalized into terrorists. Into terrorists, yes. It's basically people who have a different opinion to their leaders and their leaders suppress them. Yeah. Yeah. But language is a great, great thing. We've explored this in a recent other recording as well. And, And... I th- I th- for Pretty Patel to turn around and call people terrorists is inflammatory language. And I have to say, there has been accusations of her in her own department that she's a bully. Uh, uh, and the, the, that sort of approach to an attitude towards the, the public sort of indicates that that might be true. It might not be. Mm. But I personally, a balanced view on this, all sides need to look at their rhetoric and language, the yep. protesters and the leaders. Yeah. You know, it, it, and I point out again, if protests are being disruptive, they're having an impact. Uh, uh, and this new law is a way of of not conceding the points raised by the p- protesters. We've announced the climate. The government has announced a climate emergency, but uh, and not climate change is a very different thing. A climate emergency. And we're not acting like we're in emergency. And we all need to we will all be inconvenienced very soon by this climate emergency. So, you know, and when we're all inconvenienced, we're going to be a bit short-tempered. We're all going to be in the same boat. We're all going to have to be a little bit nice, otherwise we're going to end up killing each other. It reminds me of, of course, it reminds me of what happened during the first, the very first lockdown when it was a real shock to the system. Uh, there was mm-hmm. disbelief and there was, a, but there was an awakening and awareness to what was happening mm-hmm. and, and, and to what this lockdown was. Um, mm. But I think that's what that that I think that could be what's happening. What's on the horizon now? There's 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 going to be a moment where we're going to be all shocked by okay, when we're going to have to change yeah. our lives quite drastic, drastically. So it's good to mm. try and make those changes as soon as possible. Yeah, it kind of reminds and me. Not of, in hindsight. It also reminds and not me. Not in hindsight. It reminds me of what's happening here in Oxford, and I, I'll repeat. We're right. record, re, re, recording this on the 18th of March. Mm. Now, in the local area here around around my part of Oxford, there's been areas of of the city that have been deemed uh, low traffic neighbourhoods and uh, certain roads have been blocked off and those roads those block those blockages have have led to very very uh, vitriolic Mm. uh, very volatile conversations on online um, mostly on social media and on the comment section of a local newspaper I will say that Uh, Mm. but the the vocal minority really don't like them but I I see it as a short term of 
disbelief and I can't believe this is happening to me and look at the impact mm. it's had on my life. Uh, I think that will mm. that that will play out at a larger scale mm. when it comes to the, cli- yeah. the climate crisis. Exactly. But uh, there's two things I want to read out. Two documents have been passed to me. Uh, I want to read through. Um, j- just, uh, you know, if there are any protesters out there who are listening to this who are a little bit worried, we're going to add value. We're going to tr- try and... Uh, t- this is the official guidance about protesting. Uh, and anybody out there who says it's you're breaking the law, it's illegal to protest during the COVID lockdown, it is not illegal because a judge has actually said it would be unfair for the police to put a blanket ban on all protests because the human right is there. It supersedes that. So the, 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 the issue is, should the protest morally go ahead and can it go ahead safely by all parties working together? Now, I'll just read out. This is guidance for anybody um, who, who is protesting and uh, at risk of arrest. It basically says there is zero protest exemption in the current lockdown rules. Zero protest exemption. Many police have interpreted the law as a blanket ban. However, your right to protest is a fundamental human right that the police police must respect. If you are arrested, speak to the speak to one of the recognised solicitors. To answer the question of can you be arrested, if the police approach you while attending a protest, they should encourage you first of all to go home. If you refuse, they can give you a fine, but they should only use arrest as a last resort. Now, many people are being arrested and then de-arrested and fined just to remove them. And to answer the question, do you have to talk to the police? No. If you are stopped by the police, you do not have to tell them anything. But it is an offence to knowingly give them incorrect information. Police officers have used refusal to answer questions as reason to believe you are breaching COVID rules. If that happens, always ask under what power when the police are asking you questions. Because if they do not tell you, it's an unfair arrest. What if you are arrested? Say no comment to all questions, including friendly chats until you have free advice from a solicitor. And do not accept a caution without advice, because accepting a caution can mean you are accepting the fact that you have broken the law. The second thing I've I've, I've been passed, but I did see it. It was an article in The Guardian, written by Kina Malik, and it was published on the 14th of March, 2020. And the title, I'm just going to read out some very key bits that jumped out at me and the title of the article was if you thought rights to protest were inalienable think again now this comes back to Chantal's question about being nice and fair and stuff have a listen to this a protest that does not disrupt in some way is not a protest it's whispering in the corner the next time you take part in a protest don't shout too loudly don't get in anybody's way and don't cause a commotion Best sit quietly in the corner and just whisper your your grievances to anybody you can't hear. The pandemic has created a public health emergency requiring constraints on our rights and unprecedented levels of policing. By and large, the authorities have gained the consent of the British public to impose such restrictions. The question now for all of us is how far an exceptional year has shifted our sense of what is acceptable and what we will all consent to. 
couple more points. A picket line outside a workplace, a demonstration at the Home Office, a sit-down in Parliament Square, or can be limited or banned if they are deemed to have undue impact on people through these new policies the government has brought in. The whole point about demonstration is to have impact. A protest that does not disrupt in some way is not a protest. It's again whispering in the corner. This new bill allows the Home Secretary to define the meaning of serious disruption by regulation. In other words, she has the right to change the reasons for curtailing protest as she wishes and to do so without any parliamentary approval. This points to another way the government has made use of the pandemic to reset public expectations. Covid has become an excuse for the executive to bypass Parliament and to push through rules on the fly after a nod from the Minister, with little transparency or scrutiny. Now, it seems the government want to institutionalise this process. Now, there are some things I've picked up. And then my last point, William, and I want to point this out. Back in the early 1900s, you had the suffragettes. They were women who were campaigning for women's voice, women's right to vote. Pretty Patel, the Home Secretary, would not have her position as a woman in the Houses of the Parliament unless those women had protested a hundred years ago. And now she is banning other people from protesting by being rather obnoxious, I have to say. And I have to say, some of the protests I don't agree with, I don't like the way they've been done. All sides need to be nice and fair on this. It's not just government. I might be having a bit of a government bash here, but I think all sides of this argument need to get their heads out their arseholes and start being nice and fair. I'm off my soapbox. I think we can... That's that's a good end to that, that, that specific discussion about that question. I have nothing else myself <laughs> to add to that. Um, I'd just like to be, be interesting to see what you think about this. You know, that it... What do you think about what we've talked about today? Um, mm. Get in touch with us through our social media channels. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and down, we're down with the kids, man. Um, <laughs> TikTok. Legally. Legally. <laughs> oh, God. What have I done? Um, <laughs> <laughs> we, are all, we are looking for uh, questions to discuss in a meandering and, meandering and interesting and uh, often off-the-wall type and uh, sometimes controversial way. Uh, so email us mm. at thepeoplescountryside at gmail.com. Stuart, I'll leave you to um, do the, 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 the final outro of this uh, episode. Is there anything else you want to yeah. add to what you've been talking yeah. about? Yeah, the, the next question is um, <laughs> coming from a lady who's growing on me very slowly. Ivy. Well, I was thinking we need to we need to really analyse this yeah. question, don't we? Now, Ivy from Worthing, and a while ago asked us, as a question, do we overanalyze questions on this podcast? And we went into a 15-minute analysis of that question. And the, and the next episode, she's going to be asking us another question. And she's also got some points on HS2 and also the G7 meeting that's happening down in Cornwall. We're getting some... Uh, listeners are using this as a platform to get their own voice over, William. And uh, that's exactly what we'd like, it, we'd, we'd like it to happen. That's exactly what we'd like to yeah. happen. Surreptitiously, in some ways, um, but yeah, it's, it's it's good to hear from you, and we'll give you that voice because we're all yeah. we're all the same. We're all in, all all in in the same boat. Well, we're in the same sea, but different boats. Is that was that the yeah. thing we've come up with? Yeah, we're on the same sea, but we're in different in boats. different boats. But you know, 
we just need to discuss this together and uh, we can get through it.